The Buff Fair Stretch Podcast taps into the extraordinary endeavors that ordinary humans are doing daily to better their lives and their community. The goal of these conversations is to lengthen and extend our perspective on fitness, nutrition, holistic health, the mind-body connection, and what motivates us. The final portion of each episode will provide a guided meditation to self-reflect on the theme of the interview. Brought to you by Jennifer McCracken of FitFam Conchi. Hi, I'm Jen McCracken of FitFam Conchi. Welcome back to But First Stretch. And if you did not get to listen to my first episode, I'm so glad you are joining me today. The conversations that I've had with people in the last week have been amazing. It's really cool to see what resolutions you have, what you thought about the episode, and just how this podcast can make a difference in your life. So thank you so much for all the shares, all the feedback. Um, it's really great. And honestly, send me a message. What What are your resolutions? What are you hoping to do? Was there something in the podcast that you really enjoyed? Is there something that you wanted to hear more of? Please let me know. Today I have a first our first guest. It's a special guest for me. And we're going to be working on what it's like to have wellness and fitness as a family. So for my first interview, for my first guest, it's going to be my husband, Sean McCracken. He is a science teacher, middle school coach, and owner and coach of Choose Your Finish Line, a running company. Sean is certified through the Road Runners Club of America to coach runners achieve their own personal best. So I'm super excited. You'll get to hear some of our banter. You'll get to see what it's like to have someone who maybe isn't in the podcasting or learning how to podcast world um, be one of my guests, and I'm super excited for this episode. So let's stretch our mind, body, and soul. Also, if you like this podcast, please follow me on iTunes and Spotify, however you listen. Maybe share this episode with any friends who you think would enjoy it, and enjoy what we have. The first portion of the podcast is the warm-up. So we're going to introduce our guest and why fitness and wellness is important to him. Hi, Sean. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It was uh, tough to find some time together without two young children, but I'm glad we're doing this. There's still a chance that one of them wakes up, so we'll see how that goes when we record. Which one do you think it'll be? Who knows? (laughs) So we're here today to talk a little bit about family fitness, staying in shape or healthy, um, when time is tight. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you're a runner, you're a running coach. How did you get into running? Great. So I attended Millersville University and during my sophomore year, I joined the lacrosse team and I played a little bit in high school, but not too much. So when I joined the lacrosse team, I was not good at all. No, I don't believe that. Nope. I was pretty bad. But towards the end of the season, I kind of found my niche and I was playing defensive midi and getting ground balls and being on face-offs. And that summer, I really wanted to get on the field more when I was a junior. So I obviously worked on my stick skills over the summer. But the other thing I wanted to do was get into better shape. So I went running on the trail, had no clue what I was doing. Um, I ran a bunch of sprints. But the results were really, you know, good. And that summer, I decided to just sign up for a local 5K. And I went and did it. And it was kind of confusing because not really anyone... In my family, not really anyone of my friends really did any of that. So 
I just kind of went out there on a whim and showed up and ran it and had a great experience. Uh, my, my time was uh, decent. I ended up placing in my age group. And at that point, I was just hooked. And a lot of people talk about runner's highs. I had one at that time. And I was just so happy that, you know, I had completed the 5K. And that kind of just got me into running. And as I went through Millersville, I continued to keep on running. Um, and then when I left Millersville, I started signing up for a lot of local races. I ran Broad Street in 2007, uh, 2008, first half marathon, and then first marathon in 2008 also. Can you believe you've been running for over a decade? It's been a really long time, but it doesn't seem that long. Uh, it seems like my first Broad Street was just, you know, yesterday. Um, but a couple, you know, stats about me. I've run uh, 14 marathons. I've run and we've run together in 25 states. Uh, we've been trying to knock off um, an organized run in each state. And I've run an ultra marathon and, you know, almost every distance, almost every type of run. And, you know, it's been a really cool last like 12 years of running. Do you have a favorite distance? So that, that's such a, like, such a difficult question to answer. Like, let me ask you, do you have a favorite distance? Ooh. See, you don't know. You don't know either. It's such a, it's such a difficult question. Um, it it kind of goes for me from year to year. Um, there's years that I'm really into marathon training and trying to get the best time. But let's take the following year. Like, next year is 2020. And I'm really looking forward to um, the half marathon. And I'm also looking forward to the 5K. Um, because I just, you know, I, do, I trained most of the summer and most of the fall for a marathon and it's just grueling to do all that training and have like 50 mile weeks and, you know, go out every day on the road and just run, run, run. So it's kind of nice now to just shorten up the distance and do a little bit more speed workouts. So besides running, you also coach, you coach middle school basketball, you coach middle school lacrosse, and you've even coached high school lacrosse. Um, tell us a little bit about why you got into coaching. Yeah, so after Millersville, I was hired as a sixth grade science teacher at the Methacton School District, which um, was a blessing because that is the school district that I went to. So I got to, you know, join the ranks of teachers that taught me um, and really have that, you know, experience of having my own classroom and being being able to teach uh, young young kids. So just like hopefully you were uh, when you first started working, um, I feel like I was just so energetic and I wanted to do everything possible. So I, you know, joined different clubs and I really wanted to get into coaching. Um, got denied a couple positions here and there, but the first thing I landed was middle school basketball. I can't believe you were denied coaching positions. I can. I remember some of the interviews and they were not good. So <laughs> middle school basketball was um, the first thing that I did and it was just really nice um, getting to know um, some of the boys outside of the classroom um, and having a different relationship with them. They kind of looked up to me as, as a mentor, um, as someone who um, knew a lot of information about basketball. And it was just really neat over the three months that we were together to gain their trust on the court um, and kind of be a leader for them and see them be successful. And I just really enjoyed that connection with them. Um, I could you know, kind of motivate them to work harder. Um, I could design plays for them to be more successful. 
And it was just an overall really good experience. And now I just continue to coach because I just love um, the camaraderie with, you know, the students outside of the classroom. Well, I even think that looking back on my own school experience, the teachers that were coaches or involved in other activities are the ones that made a difference in my own life. How does coaching maybe play a role in the community at large? Or what are things that you do for the kids, taking the physical fitness and the planning of lessons and practices aside? How does, how does that look for you? Well, with coaching basketball, I've really, um, I think, kind of developed my own philosophy um, over the years. And I think the, there's like three tiers. And the first tier is that we have to be good human beings. The second tier would be that we have to be good students. And if we can check those two boxes off, then, then we can be successful on the court. I think that we have to make sure that we take care of business and, and understand that playing sports and, you know, doing activities and, you know, the, they're privileges. And we're lucky to be able to do those, but we also have to be held accountable to get there. So one thing that I do at the beginning of my coaching season is that I print out these laminated sheets. They're in color, and it's like the Methacton basketball code. And on there it says that my actions reflect on the team, my school, and the Methacton basketball community. Um, it states that um, to put the team above myself, um, and it just kind of has some general rules for how we carry ourselves. And I have that, the kids put that on their Chromebook so that they see that every day, um, just to understand that, you know, what they do really does reflect in the community. And I'm hoping to, you know, help groom them into really successful young men. I love that. I love how sports, music programs, all those things that kids get involved in, actually play a bigger role than just themselves, right? They are part of their community, um, and by giving back in that way, they become successful people to hire and successful people to be involved in relationships. Like, our marriage is a teamwork, right? That's right. The things that we learn growing up play a big part in how we argue, fight, play, love, care for each other, and for our kids. So I, I love that. I love the idea of like, it's not just about the sport. It's about community. It's about creating good citizens. Yeah, I think that's big. I mean, they have to understand that those things come first. So in order to play basketball. So, and hopefully that's one message that they get this year. Um, but let's go back to your coaching. Well, what was your uh, favorite thing to coach and what, what was your favorite aspect of coaching? So I used to coach um, cross country and track and field. Right. There was one point in my life where I was able to coach three seasons, cross country, winter track, and spring track. That's not what my life looks like right now. But I definitely loved coaching because the kids got to see me outside of the classroom. I got to make connections with the students, and I feel like everything in the classroom came a little bit easier because the kids saw me as someone that they could relate to. And it's interesting, like a lot of these people that I once coached are now in their 20s and successful people. And to me, that's the most important thing. I get messages from former students who are like, I ran my first half marathon. I'm so proud of myself. And it makes me proud of them just for going out there and giving it all they can. I'm seeing students, former students get married and it's really beautiful to see them growing up into citizens of the world. And it's so, it's so awesome. And I think that 
you know, it doesn't really matter if you're the fastest runner, if you are the best student in the classroom. It's more about like, I don't know, those connections that you make with your community and how you're going to make that greater impact on the world. So yeah, it's definitely really special seeing that. And I do see a lot of former students running with Kanchi running. It's really kind of funny. They're like, oh, hey, coach. And you can definitely tell when I coach them, when I taught them by what last name they call me, which is also really funny to see. Yeah, I still find it funny when they call you Coach Lafamine. I'm like, who's that? Who's but. that person? <laughs> She's from another time. Yeah. Um, so I love that, you know, coaching is something important in our lives. And I think that a new endeavor, a relatively new endeavor for you is the run coaching. Can you tell us about it? What, what made you want to become a run coach? Yeah, so uh, a couple years back, I moved from 6th grade science to 8th grade science, and um, it was kind of a, a good move for me because I was, I was kind of stagnant in 6th grade and, you know, just not really doing lesson plans, not being very creative or innovative, and I, you know, saw a job opening and decided to go for it to, you know, give myself a new challenge, uh, different content, uh, different age group, and, you know, just to kind of go out there. And throughout the whole year then, um, basically... There was some staff shortages going on, and I was told I was going to be moved from K through four, so possibly third or fourth grade, and that was just a big, big midlife crisis for me because I was so disappointed in, in how um, everything was being handled, and you can attest to that. So what, what happened was he's been teaching for 10 years. You wanted to change, right? Mm -hmm. You felt like you needed something that would spark your creativity, interest. I think there was even... If I'm not mistaken, um, there was some kind of curriculum change and you were more interested in the eighth grade content. Um, and then even though you'd been teaching for so long, you were so new in that position that they were going to move you down to perhaps like a third grade position. Yeah, and that wasn't going to be good for anyone if I had to <laughs> teach people reading and writing. Yikes. Right, and you're a science teacher. And I feel as a history teacher, I'm pretty attached to my curriculum and like, my content knowledge. So that's a, that's a really tough. Yeah. So the year prior, um, Jen had, um, for my birthday, um, hired a run coach for me. Um, and I was running the, uh, Baltimore running festival marathon. And when I first heard about the gift, I was kind of, I, I don't know, taken back. Um, I kind of, maybe it was a little bit, um, egotistical about running. I was like, well, what do I need to know? Like, I know how to run. Like I, I go out there and do my thing. Like I know everything about it. Like I'm good to go, but gave this guy a chance. And his name is John Goldthorpe. He is a run coach out of Philadelphia. Um, and he is just a phenomenal person. And from the minute we met, we, we had a nice uh, connection. And I, I think that relationship of, you know, having someone um, look over every one of my runs and make plans for me and kind of give me advice kind of, you know, fueled me to run my best race. And it was kind of like a relationship that grew because every time I had to go for a run and I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to, maybe I should push it off. I was like, no, he's going to know. And I need to make sure that I hit every run for him. Um, and also every time I finished a run, he was always right there to say, great job, great pace, kept motivating me. And by the time race day came around, I had uh, myself in the probably the best shape I've been in. I ran my fastest marathon. I PR'd by five minutes. I ran a 3.14. Um, and you know, it was just, it was just great. And that, um, you know, camaraderie that we had together and, you know, him motivated me and, 
you know, me being accountable to him, that relationship was just great. Um, so during my midlife crisis, I made up a list of all things that I could do. And one of them was run coach. And I looked up um, some things online and stumbled across Roadrunners Club of America. And they offered classes to get your certification. So I signed up for one over the summer, uh, took the class, had a great weekend uh, up in Massachusetts and passed the test. And then in that fall, I worked with two clients for practice. And they both ran the Philadelphia Half Marathon, and they both PR'd. So my business shot off in 2018, and it's moved into 2019, and I'm really excited about year three. Yeah, and you said something that was really interesting. You didn't want to let John Goldthorpe, who's Fix Your Run is his company, by the way, um, you didn't want to let him down. And I find that interesting. I even feel like in your life, that's how you function. Like with me, with the kids, like you don't want to let anybody down. No, nobody wants to let anyone down. And, you know, I just try to make sure that I, you know, do my job and do my part because I don't want to let those other people down. That's not who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, you know, after 2018, you have, you have a family, you have kids. It's not the same as when you were training with John Goldthorpe and we were, basically just married, how has, how have we maybe encouraged fitness in our family that might look a little bit different than it did five years ago? Well, the calendar started off with only two colors and now all of a sudden there's four colors. And, you know, I think Jen has taken on a lot of different hats. Um, she is a yoga instructor, she's a bar instructor, um, and she's here to take care of our kids full time. And it's, she, you know, does a lot of things for our family that are fantastic. Um, so the calendar quickly, quickly fills up. So one thing that we have to do is make sure that we're organized. And, uh, for my sake, like, you know, when I'm training, Jen is very, um, you know, unselfish and kind of lets me take over, you know, when I want to run and how long In my I defense, run. I was also pregnant, so it was a lot easier. Sure, it was a good time <laughs> to run a marathon, but, but also now this, you know, when it's, when it's her time to run, I'm kind of a little bit more unselfish and, you know, let her kind of do her thing. And that kind of, you know, we have to work together, you know, what, what time of the year it is for who, and the other person kind of takes on, you know, the, the other hat. Um, but we send out, you know, we have this calendar that we write down everything that we have and every Sunday, we usually have a conversation. So what's going on for this week? And we kind of look at times like before school and we look at times after school and we kind of fill in like who's going to run during those times. And, you know, it just kind of works out that way because we have our specific times. And if we don't run during those times, that's, that's it's our fault. So and like it's not like I can go another time. Um, you know, I have to, you know, suck it up and, you know, make sure that I go out for my runs. And that's kind of a good thing. It kind of gives me that structure to be like, all right, I have this time. I need to go do it. Yeah. It's the worst. Like tomorrow I have to run and it's supposed to rain all morning. I'm like, well, gotta do it. There's, there's no other time. You can pack your umbrella. So that'd be fun <laughs> to watch run, run around Conchalkin, So <laughs> No, but I do think that planning is super important. And one of the conversations we had is, do we, as parents or as people who are, you know, working busy jobs, perhaps night shift, day shift, um, crazy hours, do we have to adjust our expectations? Like, do we just have to say, well, this is what it's going to be? How, how does that play out in your mind? Are we adjusting our expectations? Well, I think there's two answers to that. Um, yes, we do have to adjust our expectations because 
you know, our roles of who we are have changed. You know, I'm not just, you know, a person anymore that I moved on to being a husband and I moved on to being a father and I have a lot more responsibility. So, you know, I can't just be like, hey, I'm going to go off and run, you know, three to four hours, you know, during the middle of the day and just kind of be gone and, you know, then go out afterwards. I, I can't do those things anymore. Um, but, but also there needs to be expectations that I still have, um, you know, my goals and I still have things that I want to accomplish and that's what makes me who I am. And I think in a healthy relationship, um, we kind of encourage each other to achieve our goals and we motivate each other to achieve those goals too. So it's not lowering expectations so much. It's just making sure that we have attainable, um, uh, aspirations. So what would you say as a coach to somebody who, because of their schedule, missed a workout, like maybe their kids were up late or they were on night shift and they didn't get home on time, how would you advise them if they were supposed to get a, a workout in and they missed it? What would, what should, how could we look at that in the future instead of maybe just scrap it completely? Yeah, the first thing about run coaching that I really didn't um, understand was how much day-to-day -day contact there was with people. Um, at times, you know, I've had about six clients and at one time and, you know, you have six people contacting you about the runs and stuff. And, and it's, it's a lot when you're working another full-time job to kind of sit down and just make sure you're texting everyone. But this happens all the time. And we have to understand that if you're training for a marathon, you probably are training for about four months. And within those four months, you're probably running about, I don't know, about 80 times. So if there's one run that's missed during that 80 time session, is that really going to make or break your race? No, it's not going to. Um, but we also have to look at what run um, is going to be missed. Is it your long run during the weekend where we have to build that mileage? Is it your speed workout where we have to make sure that we are, you know, running under race pace to make sure we're getting stronger? Um, and just kind of seeing if it, there's a pattern. Maybe every Tuesday, you know, we're missing a run for some reason. So that's my job as a run coach to make sure that I look for these patterns, but also make sure that, you know, everyone's human, you know, everyone might get sick. Um, everyone might have a busy day or a bad day. And it's just to, you know, as a run coach, I'm there to listen, um, and then to motivate, to get to the next run and move on. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important because I think it's easy often sometimes to just say, I'm too busy. I can't do it. But instead it's how can I, reorganize my week to get this done so that I still have my fitness my goals yeah and that's one thing that I you know love to do and that's why I send out um you know monthly calendars uh to you know all my clients but also before that we talk about what is going on and when are going to be good pockets of time so there's not really too many surprises throughout the whole month yeah and I also want to talk about something that we do I think in our lives that make this a little bit easier so we don't feel as anxious with um, our day-to-day -day. because there are some days everyone has them where people get home late you don't get to see each other you're making dinner you're doing something um, how do we handle maybe eating healthy and being busy yeah so eating healthy has been something that we strive to do and it's not a perfect uh, science yet do you, do you agree with that mm -hmm. it's definitely not perfect but but it, we're moving in the right direction and one thing that we've gotten a lot better with uh, is let's go back to maybe five years ago when it was just two of us. We were just married. We just bought this house. And we would probably eat out how many times per week? Three. 
before. Yeah, especially when we were both coaching and, you know, we didn't, we seemed like we had a lot of money. We would just go out and do it because it was, it was easy for us and it was fun for us too. Um, but that's not really feasible right now. We can't just go out to, you know, the, the restaurant down the street at seven o'clock unless you want to bring a screaming, crying baby. In. No, nobody wants us there at seven o'clock. <laughs> no. So yeah, dinner happens at five now. <laughs> Uh, but what we've done is we've kind of looked at, you know, what our week is going to look like. Uh, so maybe on Friday or Saturday, we kind of have a conversation about um, what the next week's going to look like in terms of nights. Um, and these are things like, am I teaching a yoga class? Does Sean have conferences? Is he staying, is he having a away, away game? Like those are the kind of things we have to look at. Yeah, and then we start planning our dinners, and we kind of have our staples through the week. We always do Taco Tuesday. Um, we usually do some sort of like pasta one night or maybe like a crockpot chicken. Um, but then we kind of fill in all the blanks right there, and we make a grocery list. Um, and then we go out and sometimes do it as a family. Sometimes, unfortunately, just Jen and the kids get to go do it. Uh, but, you know, we get all those groceries, and we bring it in, and then we meal plan on Sunday. And... Our kitchen looks like a disaster. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. There's, like, things coming out of the oven. Our whole entire island is full of, um, like, different kinds of Tupperware for the week. We have our yogurt station, our salad station, our veggie prep station, because that's also something I like to do on the weekend instead of during the weekday. If I know I'm going to do something like a stir-fry and I have to, like, cut up vegetables, I just get it done and I put them in a huge bowl in the fridge because the last thing I want to be doing on a Wednesday night when Sean's coming home late and I have the kids and we're maybe playing or getting some stuff done is sit there and cut vegetables. So it's super important. I like to do it currently during nap time, although I know that's like a fleeting moment in our current lives. Yeah, hopefully it keeps going. Um, <laughs> but we um, kind of planned it out. So we make lunches then for the whole week. Um, you know, I have like individual salads. Jen usually makes like a large salad for herself that she, you know, takes from throughout the week. Uh, breakfast, we kind of communicate who's going to make it which morning. And then dinner is planned out. So even if I come home and, you know, Jen's teaching class, I'm able to just, you know, quickly throw dinner together. And it just makes the week so much easier. I mean, the last thing I want to do from, you know, leaving for work at 7 a.m. and getting home at 6 p.m., Eating dinner and then, you know, putting the kids to bed is then at 8 p.m. go and make my lunch for the next day. I just don't want to do that. There's so many other things that I would like to do with my time. So it just kind of makes a lot of things easier and it kind of helps us communicate more on what our needs are. And I think, you know, as we've uh, been married for five years, we've definitely grown in that aspect. Yeah, and two things on that. The first thing is, is that meal prepping is not for everybody. It can be really tough. And I think that depending on your circumstance, I actually had a really good conversation with my cousin who's 22 on this, and she said that her and her roommates are using HelloFresh. It's some sort of service that brings them the food that they need. And in it, there's the spice that they need, so they're not buying like a whole thing of a spice that they're never going to use again. It comes with all the stuff, so it ends up in terms of their household saving them money by doing that. And they're able to pick the meals that they want ahead of time, which I also think is really important um, because sometimes, I mean, I think we could probably eat the same foods a lot, but some people need more of a variety in their lives, and that gives them a lot of variety because I think they change those things up weekly. The other thing that is important to us and I think is 
still important. Um, we really enjoy eating out. Like we actually like the the time away to go out, have a good meal. And even if that's now at five o'clock with two kids, we do try to do that once a week. I think just because it's something we enjoy as a couple. It's something that we always used to enjoy. And, you know, I, it's not fair to force yourself to eat homemade meal all the time. Like I know when I go out, it's not as healthy perhaps as the food we have at home, but it's still kind of a fun treat for yourself. So definitely consider that too and try to work it out that you can still have some fun and enjoy yourself while eating healthy. And I think we always try to like plan that ahead. Like if Kaylin has a doctor appointment at six o'clock and you know, we look at that and we're like, well, we'll just pick something and go home with it. I think we look at the schedule, but we usually try to wait towards like the end of the week. And it's kind of a nice little like celebration for getting through the week, which yeah. I kind of look forward to throughout the whole week. Yeah. Yeah. It's something to look forward to. Um, the other thing that it's a little controversial topic, I think, um, getting kids involved in organized activities at a young age. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I know that some people say like, Kids kids should not have to do organized activities until they're older. It's a lot of stress, and I definitely see that point. I can understand why, for many reasons, less is more. What is what is your thought on this? Well, I don't think that, you know, and Kaylin is way too young to do you know, too many organized activities. She won't be out there ice skating or anything like that anytime <laughs> soon. But, but so I'm going to speak a lot about Braden right now. Like, it, it's not... Uh, realistic for us to think that he's going to go win his soccer championship. Brayden is also three, just to give you a sense of his age. Brayden's not going to rack up any scholarships right now at three years old. You know, we don't have Villanova knocking at our door for him to come play basketball. Um, But the exposure to different things, I think, different sports and different activities and music and all, I think is really key in the development of kids. Because we don't know what his talents are in. I mean, we see him play at home. We see him draw at home. But, you know, it's great to see him, you know, try these different things and see which ones he likes and see which ones he doesn't like too much. Um, So we've already had Brayden in an art camp. Um, We've had him do some music. Uh, We've had him play soccer. We've had him um, do some running series. And he's about to start basketball. And it's, it's more than just, you know, the... I don't, I don't know, playing of the individual sports or playing of the art. It's, it's kind of, you know, how do I listen to a coach, an, author, uh, an authoritative uh, person? Um, how do I work with the other kids that are in my group? Um, and it's also just getting a little bit of exercise, too. You know, it's, it's teaching them to run from one, you know, flag to the other. Um, kind of those little things where he's up and moving instead of sitting at home watching TV or sitting at home playing with his toys. So I think that getting him exposure to things is just going to help him grow as a person and hopefully, you know, develop skills that he can be a successful person um, later on in life when he's, you know, on high school teams or on college teams. Yeah, and I think you actually said something to him in the spring that was really important. And I think it ties down to our mentality about sports and activities for kids. You know, we're we're not expecting him to get all those awards and scholarships. In fact, as we said earlier, uh, the purpose for us for those organized teams is to build skills that will translate in later in life. And you said something to Brayden. Brayden was really upset in the spring when this is like super sad. He's two and a half years old and we have him in the Healthy Kids Running Series. So it's just once a week. We do this little race on Sunday. It's super cute. And in defense of that too, the first year he did it, he would 
sit on the sidelines and cry. We'd have to hold his hand and run with him. And it really hasn't been, I want to say it was around two and a half that he really got interested and wanted to run and would practice like on the sidewalk. It was really cute. Um, but going back to the original thing, he said to us, Mommy, some kids are beating me. And he like realized that he wasn't the fastest and he was sad that other kids were beating him. And what did you say to him that I just thought was like super important? Well, first of all, it was ridiculous. But the two questions I asked him was, did you have fun? And he goes, yeah. And the other question that I asked him um, was, did you try your best? And he said, yeah. And I was like, well, then it was a great race. And he goes, okay. And I said, and you know, he's seen Jen and I run plenty of runs and I said, Brayden, do you see people beat daddy in runs? He goes, yeah. And I said, that's okay. Like, as long as I try my best and as long as I have fun. And that's a, the cool thing about running is that, like, you're, you know, I, I'm competitive. I'll tell you that. And <laughs> I do love to, you know, place high in races and win age groups and, and as much as I can. But, again, the thing about running that's fun is that it's also um, an individual sport where I'm running against my own clock. I'm running against my own races. Um, so, you know, as long as I feel like I ran strong for that day, it's a successful race. Yeah. So I, I think it's all about what you teach the kids and how, and how, what their takeaway is essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he started to take that away. Um, he's wanted to do more races. He actually asked one day, daddy, can we go for a run around the block? And I was like, Absolutely. Um, and he's even got up to about a half a mile race and he ran the whole time and he had fun and just the look on his face to, you know, feel that accomplishment and people cheering you on, um, has been really big for him. I think, I think he loves that environment, which is awesome for us. Yeah. So what are some things that you like to do with Brayden that encourages health and wellness that might not be an organized sports manner because obviously the organized sports are really good so he can learn to listen to coach listen to the teacher listen to his parents and then also work with other kids to achieve that common goal but what are some things that you like to do with the kids that maybe don't relate to the organized sport and again I feel like I'm like you know uh... Poor Kaylin is not being involved in this, but I do like to wear her um, at times so she can be involved with things. Um, but with Brayden, since he's turned three, we've been able to um, do a couple more activities. So he has a scooter, um, and he also has a little Strider bike, and he's able to go almost like a mile on those. So uh, when I go to take the dog for a walk, I'm like, hey, why don't you jump on your stroller? Why don't you you know, go and jump on your bike and you know, come with me? And he goes, yeah, that sounds great. Um, so he gets that little exercise and, you know, he tells me like, daddy, this is hard when we're going up hills. I'm like, yeah, it should be. You're going uphill. Um, you know, and he's like, daddy, I need to stop. Daddy, I need my water. And it's just nice to see him exert himself a little bit. It also makes nap time a little bit better. And I think we both can agree that that's a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, but I just like to go outside with him. Um, we have started to have catches outside. We kind of run around in the backyard. Uh, we play t-ball in the backyard. Um, and one thing that I've seen is he likes to also go on runs with me. Um, so I'll push him in the stroller and we live in Conchhocken and we have the amazing Schuylkill River Trail that we can get all the way to Philadelphia. We can get all the way out to Valley Forge and past that. And, um, he loves to go because he loves trains. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, if we even look at like what he wants to do at this stage, it would probably be something with trains or a superhero. 
Yeah, so <laughs> we have the, within probably two miles of each other, we have the Spring Mill Station and we have the um, Kanchak and the train station. So going down there and seeing the SEPTA trains, um, he loves it. So I'll be like, Brady, you want to go for a run? He goes, yep. So we pack him up a snack. We get a couple toys with him. We strap him in. Um, and then we start going. And there's a couple things that I do on those runs. I make sure that, well, first of all, it's not a super long run. It's not a speed workout or anything like this. Usually it's one of my recovery runs or just, you know, a run to kind of, you know, lead off the bat off the week. Um, so I make sure, first of all, that I am running to the point that I can have conversations with them. So we call that conversational pace. So it kind of forces me to slow myself down. So I'm constantly talking to him about like, hey, did you see that squirrel? Did you see that groundhog? What color, you know, was that car that went by? And we just kind of have that conversation throughout. And then it's an easy run for me. And the time goes by a little bit quicker, even though I am pushing this giant stroller. Um, but then, you know, we also make sure that we stop to see the trains. You know, we, we talk about that. Um, and we have our special spots on the trail. And it's just a, a really cool connection that I have with him. Yeah, we're super excited because Kaylin finally is old enough to be in the stroller and she was able to come for our first family run a few days ago which was so exciting. Yeah she only cried for one mile out of the four so that was exciting. Because... I didn't think it was like three minutes compared to Brayden who was like three miles of crying. Yeah we've kind of talked ourselves mm -hmm. into like we run out and back so she was running mile you know through mile three so it almost made us go faster because we just wanted to stop the crying. <laughs> yeah so thank you so much for um, sharing your knowledge. I really feel like more people would love to hear about the conversational pace in running and maybe how you organize um, the week with running. That might be a nice blog post for Choose Your Finish Line down the road. Uh, at the end of every episode, I'm going to ask the people on the show a few questions. So the first question is, what stretches are you doing in your own life? And this is general. This doesn't have to be running or fitness related at all, um, but what is something that you are doing to stretch your mind, body, or soul? All right, so I'll go to the classroom in science class. And one of the pushes for science is phenomenon-based learning, uh, where you show um, kids science and maybe like a YouTube video that I just recently showed of just something similar, as simple as like baking soda and vinegar. And allow the kids then to come up with research questions and experimental questions that um, they have and then allow them to kind of design how science is going to be and that's tough for me because I kind of have to give up control of my classroom and my learning but um, the kids end up getting a really strong um, understanding of what the content is and then I'm just kind of there to aid it and make sure that it's focused and to where it should go and steer it in the right direction um, but that's one thing that is a stretch right now that's awesome uh, and what is something that you are enjoying doing in your life for you in the moment? Uh, so this might be embarrassing to you, um, but I enjoy uh -oh. <laughs> two activities and one of those is bocce and the other is shuffleboard. Uh, all right, and she just laughed out loud, so that's great. Um, bocce happens during the spring and summer and I'm on a team with seven different guys and we play once per week and it's just a really cool night out to go out to the bocce courts. It's beautiful outside. Um, and, you know, just have, have a drink or two with the guys, you know, have, have that game right, right there. And then we play shuffleboard in the winter at the Conchac and Brewing Company. So it's just a night to get out, see some of the guys, you know, talk about sports and just, you know, uh, have a good time. So that's something that I really do enjoy.
also maybe be really competitive and keep some statistics going. I plead the fifth on that one, but it might be true. <laughs> no, but that being said, it's important um, for anybody in any stage of their life to have those hobbies on the side. And I think that's great that Sean still does that. And it's been how many years for Bocce? Bocce's been about a decade. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. And that also ties into community involvement and meeting up with other people with the similar interests. And finally, what is something that you just can't stop talking about? So right now I really want to say the Eagles because they just clinched the NFC East by beating the Giants 34-17. So we can put a timestamp on when this conversation <laughs> happened. Uh, but realistically, I, I can't just um, stop talking about my kids. I know that's cliche, but it's just kind of really um, neat to sit back and see what they can uh, do every day. And I'm just amazed by how much they can do and you know how joyful they are in their lives. And I'm just always one to show off pictures and talk about them. So thank you so much it's been such a pleasure having you on this episode of but first stretch it was really fun being able to interview my husband sean at this podcast there were a few things in the episode that i thought were really important to reflect on the first one is even though the episode was about finding time for fitness and wellness whether you're busy at work or you have a crazy family dynamic We also tapped into some things that I believe are an important element of this podcast, including community. So we discussed how the the role of the team or the organization can play in raising kids to be part of something greater than themselves and contribute to the world at large. I also really loved how we kind of tapped into teamwork and how sometimes it's not maybe being about the best at your sport or the best at what you do. It's how you work with others to make the team more successful. So even in the family dynamic, how can Sean and I work better together to make our family better? It's not about me being the best. It's not about Sean being the best. It's about how we work together to make our family great. So I thought this was a really awesome episode for me and I know that Sean even said at one point in the episode that you know he was feeling stagnant in his teaching career but if you know Sean and you know what he does he definitely gives 110% to everything so it's really cool to see how taking a career change also changed his life for the better even though when he was stuck in the middle of it it didn't feel so amazing So now we're going to do our cool down meditation. We just ended that big chunk of the workout portion and keeping in spirit of the theme of the episode, we're going to do a short five to six minute meditation that you can do anywhere. So no excuses on our busy lives. You can wake up and do this in the morning. You can do it at night. You can do it at some point in your day, just five minutes. And you're welcome, of course, to keep a notebook nearby in case you want to jot something down at the end. Take a moment to move the body, reaching the arms overhead for a giant stretch, rolling out the wrists, whatever feels comfortable to you before you get seated. And when you're ready, come to a comfortable seat.
perhaps sitting on a blanket or a chair. If you're on a chair, be sure to let your feet rest on the floor. Let the spine grow nice and tall. Relax the eyelids or let them close. Notice the breath. Don't try to change the breath. Just bring awareness to each inhale and each exhale. Bring awareness to the belly. Breathe in and notice it rise. Breathe out and notice it fall. Do this three more times. Bring awareness to the chest. Breathe in and notice it rise. Breathe out and notice it fall. Do this three more times. Bring awareness to the nostrils. Breathe in and notice. Breathe out and notice. Do this three more times. Now choose one, the belly, the chest, the nostrils, and bring your attention back. One, breathe in. One, breathe out. Two, breathe in. Two, breathe out. Three, breathe in. Three, breathe out. Begin to count on your own. If your thoughts wander, gently bring them back to the counting by starting over. It's not a competition. It's a practice on training your mind.
Take two more breaths. When you're finished, pause. Cease the counting. Notice the body. And gently bring one hand to your heart. And invite the other hand to place on top of the hand. Breathe in. Breathe out. When you are ready, flutter your eyelids open and return to your day. Thank you so much for listening to But First Stretch. Again, if you like this, please like it on iTunes, Spotify, follow me on both, and share this episode with your friends if you think they would enjoy it. And I've created a family fitness calendar, so um, be, you'll be seeing that posted and get ready. There's some really cute activities for you to do with your family, with you to do with the people you live with. Um, so hopefully you enjoy it and have a great new year.